Hey everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. I am grateful for you listening to the 72nd episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. This week, we're going to be worth your time with two points on the Chiefs right up here at the top. Uh, it's about the two people on this team that I think you guys are talking about and thinking about more than anybody else. Uh, the questions are Chiefs heavy. It's about Chris Jones, about whether this is an over-my-dead-body game for Patrick Mahomes, and about what the future of the defense might look like. We also take a broader question about where media is going and how that affects my job and ability to communicate with you guys. Uh, third section is sort of my attempt to help translate what the Chiefs say. Uh, I think that's an important part of my job, actually, uh, to sort of you know help cut through the cliches and tell you what these guys are trying to say. So, Okay, uh, let's get started. And... Um, Four weeks into the NFL season, right? And I think we know that teams are not these like static creations. Their, you know, lineups change with injuries or performance. Uh, guys are added, guys are dropped. Uh, schemes and play calls and tendencies change, all this stuff, right? Uh, we've seen this clearly in Kansas City. Um, I think probably most famously two seasons ago when at one point the defense was a mess. And at another point, it looked like the quarterback suffered a brutal knee injury. Right. Uh, at another point, they were six and four, and maybe they're a wild card team. Then all of a sudden, everything clicks, and we get a parade, right? Like right before the world shuts down. So I'm, I think the Chiefs are about to take on their first significant in season change here, uh, and on both sides of the ball. Uh, Josh Gordon is part of this, right? Uh, he is, by all accounts, set to be on the active roster for the Sunday night showdown against the Bills. Willie Gay Jr., uh, back at practice, 21-day uh, window of activation has started. Um, Chiefs may announce that he's off IR, actually, and, and onto the active roster on Friday. Um, but, you know, for our purposes here today with this show, let's just assume that if it doesn't happen this weekend, if Gay Jr. does not play against the Bills, he's going to play pretty soon. Um, I want to I want to go through these in order. I think this is significant. I think it's something that's on a lot of you guys' minds. So let's do this. Um, let's do those in order, too. First with Josh Gordon. Look, you have to admit, most of you guys are, are, are big Chiefs fans, obviously. Like, uh, you have to admit that this is absurd, right? Like, the, I mean, this is, the, you know, if you just buy like one of those big Raptor trucks and then you have to put even bigger tires on it. Like, that, that, that's what the Chiefs are doing here. Um, they do not need more offense, right? Like, they just, that's the last thing they need. Um, I mean, I get all teams are flawed. Um, all units are flawed. Gordon makes the Chiefs better. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I get it. But, you know, if the defense wasn't such a mess right now, I think more people would be realizing that the Chiefs offense, like honest to goodness, this really might be better than ever right now. They are averaging more than a half point per possession more than anybody else in football. They're at almost a half point more than they were in 2018. Remember, remember that? crazy laser show so look i mean they've got the same skill guys now but it's like behind an offensive line that is legit moving people at the line of scrimmage they're giving mahomes better protection they have a real run game now one that defenses have to at least respect and you know look i'd, I'd sit here and say like i don't know what a defense is supposed to do with all this but like i think that's obvious right like i mean we see the games um, you know, they, they were six out of seven touchdowns against the Eagles. The only time they didn't score a touchdown was that third down forced interception by Mahomes. These guys are just next level. So look, all that said, Josh Gordon still helps, right? Um, because if there was a weakness on this offense, and just to be clear, there was not a weakness on this offense by realistic, you know, NFL reality standards. But if 
there was a weakness here. It's that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey get so much of the defense's attention, and they still haven't yet had somebody from that, you know, Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle group just consistently become that next threat. So my thought all along has been that Clyde Edwards and Lair needs to be that threat in the run game, but I'm still, like, I think in the pass game too. Like, we saw that at LSU, and I just think, man, if you've got Tyreek Hill challenging deep, you got Kelsey doing his thing between, you know, 5 and 15 yards downfield. And then Edwards Lair isolated on linebacker. I, I just don't think that's a situation that a defense has an answer for, you know. But anyway, back to reality. Edwards Lair has not done that yet, at least not consistently. Um, you know, part of this is he's not a great blocker, so they get him off the field on some third downs. But um, anyway, I mean, Josh Gordon is here, and he is sort of a – you know, physical freak, even <laughs> compared to other NFL receivers and used the right way. I think this is going to make all sorts of problems for defenses. I guess, look, first, before we get too far into this, let's pause, right? Like, let's just acknowledge that Gordon's got some real demons. Um, he's got a history that looks like addiction and includes suspension after suspension after suspension. So it's it's not enough to just say there's no guarantee how long he'll be around because I think history if you just look at history, it will tell you that it's probably unlikely he'll even finish the season with the Chiefs. But um, look, this conversation is narrowed to football. So if we're just talking about football, Gordon is a really intriguing fit. I, like it, He is a big man, 6'3", 220, which is not that far off of the size of tight end Noah Gray. And my guess is I, the Chiefs are going to bring him along slowly. Um, you know, so just as an example, right? Like if he's active on Sunday, give him a couple packages, uh, you know, simplified routes. For instance, like here's a red zone set where he split wide and told to just work on the guy across across the line of scrimmage from him toward the corner of the end zone. Use your size to, you know, create a mismatch for Mahomes to throw to. Or even if you just draw enough of the defense over, maybe safety goes his way. That means Kelsey's got more space over the middle, you know, something like that. I just that, that can be really effective. Like the, the Chiefs don't talk about this a lot, at least not publicly, but um, internally, I'm telling you guys, they, they have always been at least mildly concerned about the red zone. And and some of that is changing with the new offensive line. That's a big deal. Uh, but there's also there, there's just been this thought that a lot of their advantages with speed and spacing and that kind of thing are diminished near the goal line and that a group like this needed a legit, you know, sort of big red zone target other than Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, look, the, the Chiefs are 12 out of 15 in the red zone so far this season. So these are, are champagne problems for sure. But I think Gordon is about as good as a team could get in adding some red zone effectiveness. I think that's what we're going to see um, right there in the beginning. I think they're also going to send him deep. A few times just to put it on tape, make people worry about it. It's I, this is gonna it's gonna make a difference. But um, speaking of making a difference, let's 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 talk about Willie Gay Jr. Um, because I actually think this is gonna make a bigger difference. Or I don't know, maybe the better way of saying it, I think the Chiefs hope <laughs> that this one is gonna matter a little bit more. Um, I don't want to make too big a deal out of this yet because Gay Jr. has one year in the NFL and last year he really didn't play all that much. Um, he was right at about 25% of the defensive snaps. So if your stance is you want to see him do it before you get excited about it, like fine, cool, I get it. But I'm telling you, Gay Jr. was probably the Chiefs' second best defender in the preseason and training camp, and he has a lot of what's needed on this defense. Physically gifted, strong enough, you know, at the point of attack to set an edge against a bigger man, and just like really fast, like the the kind of skill set that can he can play between the tackles. Um, he can still get to the flats to defend running backs if that's what's required. I mean, 
I think the slow development last year looked like Spags does not like to play rookies on defense all that often. He just he just doesn't. And I also think Gage Jr. probably had, you know, a little bit of time that he needed to get the playbook and speed of calls and all that, the jump from college to the, to, to the NFL. So one thing I really hope that he's active this week, and I really, really do, because I, I think this would be a fun thing to watch. Um, l- let me back up. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, after the Ravens game, I told you guys I think Gay Jr. can make a difference if they in a playoff rematch by being kind of a spy on Lamar Jackson. Do you remember that point? I, it's something I'm going to remind you about if there is a rematch because I, I think that could happen. Um, and I think that that might be something the Chiefs can use on Sunday night against Josh Allen. You know, have Gay Jr. do his his normal responsibilities, but also just hang around a little bit on certain snaps behind the line of scrimmage. Mirror Allen's movements, and if he gets out of the pocket, go chase him down. Um, you know, get that sack, get that forced throw. So um, I, I know this stuff can sound like minutia, but I'm telling you, these are the things that can help tilt a game. And it probably goes without saying, but the Chiefs are playing the game of the week on Sunday. You know, that's NFL showcase event. Uh, there's a lot on the line in this one. You know, whichever team's wins, it's either going to be you know the Bills staking claim as you know the AFC's best. Or it's going to be about the Chiefs, like, you know, rising up and reminding everybody who's the boss. So uh, some of that stuff sounds like it's just storylines to keep people like me busy. I get it. But I can promise you these are things the players involved are thinking about. And it's things that they're going to be talking about after the game. So, okay, guys, um, before I move on to the rest of the show, here comes the spiel. Three asks, um, you know. We're still cool if you do one, two, or even zero. Um, but I got to ask. First, please help support us. Give the Sports Pass a try. Dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for the first year. Just reach out to me, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and, and I'll send you the link. Um, second, please rate and review us. Uh, we appreciate all the love you've given us already. It's really awesome. Like, I, I mean that. Um, I see it and and I appreciate you. I'm just, but I'm just saying, if you haven't already do that, have you ever already done that? Uh, please give us a rating and a review. Five stars only. Um, it really helps us. Third thing, uh, if you want to participate in next week's show, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone. Call anytime. 816-234-4365. One more time. 816-234-4365. Um, okay, guys. I uh, appreciate you. Uh, quick break, and then we're back with the questions. What's going on, Sam? This is Deron from Lee Summit. And my question for you is, is it time to start thinking about moving on from Chris Jones? He's making an awful lot of money and giving very little production. That defensive end experiment is not working. He clearly can't stop the run. We've seen that for the last few years. And it's only looking worse with him being on the outside. Is it time for us to start thinking about moving on from Chris Jones and getting some assets in return to better fit Steve Spagnuolo's scheme? Well, no. Like, not time to move on from Chris Jones. Like, uh, his contract, by the way, just structured in a way that makes next year virtually guaranteed as well. Um, and I would add this. That's a good thing. Uh, Jones is still a monster. Um he can beat the guy in front of him. Uh, he still has those long arms, quicker feet than a man his size should have. Still a lot of strength and agility. Uh, I'm with you on the defensive end thing. But, you know, the problem is the roster is really 
kind of structured in a way to emphasize that, you know, Jaron Reed and others inside. So that's a problem they got to solve. But I hope we're just not to the point where we're just always blaming the better players on the team. You know, I, I thought Andy Reed said something really interesting the other day. He said he thought that the wrist injury that Jones has been carrying, he called it, quote, a distraction, end quote. You know how coaches feel about distractions. Um, and that sounded to me like sincerity, uh, by the way, like truth and not like an excuse. And in particular, it had me flashing back to one of the touchdowns the Eagles scored. It was a third and goal from the seven. And the Eagles like cleared the middle of the field with some motion and receivers out wide. And then they just ran right up the middle. It was a ch- direct challenge to Chris Jones. And Jones was in position to make the play. And he reached out with his arm, but he just wasn't there in time or, or just wasn't there with enough strength. Um, touchdown. So that's the kind of play I'm telling you. That is the exact kind of play that opponents are going to notice and they're going to try to copy. And it's the kind of play that the Chiefs will notice and try to be better for next time. And I'm probably overthinking this, but I just wonder if Andy Reid holding Jones out of practice this week to get that wrist right is specifically to focus on little moments like that, you know, and to clear Jones's head as much as possible. So Look, the, the regression of the Chiefs' defense has been staggering. Um, I get that they've played good teams. Um, and I also want to remember that the Eagles game looks different if they don't give up the late touchdown. And if Jones does a scoop and score on the fumble toward the end of the first half, I, I also believe that we're going to see some improvement. Um, I do. But I also see the results, you know, um, same as you guys. And even when I go back and watch again, it's really hard to put your finger on one thing that's going wrong because it's all going wrong and they're not tackling well enough the communication is off the pass rush isn't there the coverage is getting beat it's just it, it's it's a big mess right now so um i do think this though i think that when a team is underperforming like this and there's a bunch of different reasons i think that sometimes what you see is that if a group can come up with like one of those solutions then some more follow after that you know what i mean so like if, if the tackling's better then the red zone defense improves, right? If the pass rush is better, then the coverage improves. You get what I'm saying. So while I'm not going to sit here and blame Jones for any of this, I I do think we all recognize that with great talent comes great responsibility, right? And if the Chiefs are going to do this, if they're going to get close to where they believe they should be, then it's about more than Willie Gay Jr. and Charvarius Ward and Frank Frank Clark getting healthy. You know what I mean? It's going to have to be a lot about Chris Jones playing like Chris Jones. Um... Okay, uh, more que- more Chiefs questions. Let's do this. Hey, Sam, it's Sal from Jersey. To quote the late great Therese Paler, is this an over-my-dead body game for Mahomes, or will he save it for the Green Bay game, considering how much of a tall order it is right now with this defense? Thanks. Okay, so I don't know this. I want to be clear about that. Nobody's told me this, like, publicly or privately. Nobody's handed this to me. I could be way off here. I just want to say that up front. I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs> and I want to say that too. Uh, I'm just sitting here as a person whose job it is to read the tea leaves a little bit, you know, to get to know the, the biggest figures in town and the people around them. And I'm just telling you guys, I think Josh Allen is a guy that Patrick Mahomes really wants to beat. I mean, like, obviously, like Mahomes is a sociopath type of competitor. Uh, he is the kind of person who can like basically invent ridiculous ways to be motivated you know both for his own fire and amusement and he wants to beat everybody like right down to tyler hennecke when when they play in dc in a couple weeks right uh but there's something sort of like brewing here beneath the surface that makes me think that out of all the quarterbacks 
or I guess I should say out of all the quarterbacks who aren't like legends like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, because I think that's how Mahomes measures himself. But out of all the rest of the quarterbacks, I feel like Mahomes might want to beat Josh Allen more than any of the others. Um, I can't tell you exactly why. I think it's more than just this weird thing where he's all but challenged Allen to a long throw contest. Um, I think there's something about the way that Allen plays um, that it's like sort of close enough to the magic of Mahomes, like when he's doing his unicorn stuff, you know, I I just get the feeling that Mahomes is like sitting back, hearing what people say about Allen. And it's like that scene from The Last Dance, you know, and Mahomes is just sitting there like, and I took that personally, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I feel like that's what's happening here. And look, I could play armchair psychologist here and wonder if there's some, you know, added pride because... Allen plays for one of Reed's old assistants, or if it's just because for the last year or so, the Bills have sort of been the consensus biggest threat in the AFC. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because there's something specific to Allen's game that like, you know, Mahomes knows that there are people out there who like to believe, you know, the biggest separator between him and, you know, let me rephrase that. There's people out there who like to reduce Patrick Mahomes to sort of that like effort, Tyreek down there somewhere stuff, you know, but I think that Mahomes believes that the biggest difference between him and Allen is that he's smarter and that he is better within structure and better at reading defense and better at that chess game. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, like I said, I I don't know any of this. This is me speculating, but I really do believe this. You guys, I really, really, really believe this. Um, that doesn't guarantee anything like football is so chaotic and random that, you know, nobody can control the outcome by himself, right? Like not even somebody as talented as Mahomes, but I will be absolutely flabbergasted if Mahomes does not play terrifically against the Bills. Um, I think he's been waiting for this. I think he's been waiting for this and I think he hopes he gets another one in the postseason. I really do believe that. Um, but they still need to get that defense fixed. So let's let's do one more uh, Chiefs question here. Hey, Sam. Uh, big fan, long-time listener and reader. Uh, my name's John, calling from Denver, but originally from Overland Park. Uh, side note, happy to hear my hometown got rid of the Pitbull ban and the likes of Kyle Long and other good Pitbull owners can uh, live there now. But anyway, I uh, wanted to call asking about the defense uh, for the Chiefs. Is it is it really something where we can kind of plug and play maybe a new addition, you know, like a linebacker or someone in the defensive backfield, or is it more of a talent overhaul that Brett Beach is going to have to take care of in the offseason, akin to how he handled the offensive line this past year? Interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and looking forward to hearing the answer. Thanks. Bye. I don't know, man. Like, I mean – Look, I, I look at the roster, and I don't, I don't like the cornerback depth. Um, I think they need more production up front. But you tell me, like, when you look at the depth chart, do you see a big lack of talent? Do you see, like, a bottom five defense in the league? Um, I don't. I, I see a lot of really capable players, good players, focused players, lots of positive attributes. Um, they're just not playing well. They're not playing well individually. They're not playing well collectively. And I know we keep going back to this, but I do want to see what this group looks like with better health. Because I think Frank Clark can make a difference. Javarius Ward can make a difference. Willie Gay Jr. can make a significant difference. But a team should not be judged only on what they do at full health because full health is rare. So when I'm saying this, the point is not that they don't need new players. The point is that I think we should wait a bit to see this group operate at closer to full health before we make decisions about what needs to be added. Does that make sense? Like, 
they're going to make some changes this offseason. Like, that is a lock. That's a wrap. Like, bank on that. Frank Clark, Anthony Hitchens, probably going to be cut for cap relief. Uh, the Chiefs are going to be shopping for improvements probably at all three levels, but certainly up front and, um, you know, and in the back. But I, I think the information that we get from watching them with something closer to their full lineup will aid in the decisions about where to look for for that help. You know, um, I think that makes sense. I hope it does. Um, okay, one more question, and this one is not at all about the Chiefs. Hey, Sam. Uh, Mark calling from Western. And um, just reading your Melgander minutes, um, this is a question for the podcast. And my question is this, and I know that, of course, there's been huge disruption in the media and especially newspapers. But a thing that I've noticed, and maybe I'm just an old guy, is, you know, there were two typos um, in your wonderful column today. And it seems like, to me anyway, I see that so much more often than I did back in the day when I think there were editors going over every word and making sure that, you know, there wasn't a spell check here. Just interested in your thoughts, and mostly I so appreciate you and the love and intelligence you bring to our community. Thank you. Uh, Mark, my man, I often say copy editors are the best people in this world after my wife, my kids, and Bo Jackson. Um, And I mean that there's not a lot of glory in this business, but whatever glory exists goes to writers. And if you made a list of your 10 favorite writers, there is not a one of them who'd be where they are without the help of a particular editor or much more likely a bunch of editors. Um, it's kind of a weird deal though, because as much as I'd like for it to be 2002 again, you know, and know that a team of badass copy editors is going through all my stuff, even on tight deadlines. Um, I'm also an adult and I believe that it's my name at the top and, uh, you know, I'm the one sending this stuff in. So if there's an error that gets through, uh, it's pretty weak to blame anybody but myself. You know what I mean? So, look, the, the weird truth is that writers are pretty terrible editors of themselves. Like, I think some of us are good conceptually, like, you know, being able to tighten up a paragraph here or there or cut out this anecdote because it doesn't track or, you know, read something through and realize that you need, you know, more of one thing and less of another. But for whatever reason, it is really hard for the vast majority of us to pick up. Um, like, I don't want to call them small things, but it's, it's hard for us to pick up like grammatical stuff. You know, um, you know, I misspelled word that doesn't get the red underline. Right. Or, or maybe the, the wrong autocorrect to a word you didn't intend or screwing up like effect and affect, which I swear to God, I do more than half the time. Um, I don't know why there's probably like a psychological reason for it, but if we make a mistake like that the first time, it's just hard for us to catch it when we go back the second time. I think that makes sense, right? I mean, look, like you're right. Like there isn't a form of media in the world. Like you're, you're, you're more broad point. There isn't a form of media in the world that hasn't been tilted on its head these last 10 to 15 years, you know? And the star has more journalists than any outlet in town. And I don't think it's particularly close, but all of our challenges are specific and different, you know? And, and, Like, I also want to say this, the fact that Mark asked a question like this, like this question, (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this question like, hey man, 
you screwed up these two things, but I still really like your stuff. And I like it so much that instead of calling you a doofus for misspelling occasion or whatever I did, uh, I'm going to ask you about the challenges of having a smaller safety net with copy editors. I mean, like, come on, man. Like, I don't know, Mark. Um, at least I don't think we've ever met Mark. But uh, this question here is so symbolic of I talked about this last week. I think this is so symbolic of like there's just the crazy kindness and grace that you guys have given me over the years. I hope I say this enough that it's clear. I don't take any of that for granted. Um, you guys have just been so good to me. Like you've given me space and time and like tried to meet me halfway. Um, even when I can't say I'm sure I deserved it. I just, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, you've shown me just enough love to let me keep doing this, you know, support my family, um, mortgage, all this. I just, I don't know. Um, it's a gift that amazes me every day and it's one that I will never be able to repay. So I just thank you. Um, okay. Um, sorry, got sidetracked. Um, let's move on. Uh, you guys are the best though. I hope, uh, I hope I say that enough. All right. One more break and then we're going to be back and we will finish strong. Okay guys. Um, Time to finish strong. Um, You know that I believe part of my job is to help you understand and connect with your teams better. And I don't know that I've said this part like literally, but I think included in that is a sort of like being able to translate what the coaches and players are saying. Uh, Because they they talk in cliches a lot. They talk in code. And it's enough to make your eyes sort of gloss over at times. Um, I get it. But um, I also think like people like me who have these weird jobs and, you know, the access to have conversations with people away from press conferences. I just I, I think that we have some responsibility to help tell you what these people are trying to say. And, you know, this is aside from the point, but like a week ago, um, I said something on Twitter about how Eric Bieniemy talks in code, but if you know where to look, you can find some real insight. And I included a quote where he said something about focusing on the little things. And um, I didn't translate that part of it, and I should have. And somebody called me out on it saying there was no insight there. But the point Bieniemy was making, I believe, is that he wasn't getting enough focus and concentration from guys during the week. He was saying that the prep wasn't good enough particularly with fundamentals, with basics. And I think that's part of why he thought they were having so many turnovers. Um, You see what I mean? Like he's talking in cliches, little things, whatever. And it's easy to just sort of gloss over that because we all have busy lives, but there's some real stuff in there. And I wanted to try that again this week um, here in the bonus section. We're going to start with this quote from uh, defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo about what he sees from the Bills. Um, And the Bills, by the way, they're averaging 33 and a half points a game. Uh, They're first in yards, first in passing yards, First in, in, in yards per passing attempt. So anyway, this is Spags talking about what he sees from the Bills and what the Chiefs need to do. I'd like to think that we could just go out there and play fast, um, throw a bunch of fastballs and, you know, just let loose a little bit. Because this offense, if you're thinking too much, uh, this uh, offensive coordinator there and the coaches there do a good job. I don't think that we'll see a lot of what they did against other teams. They create other different type of run schemes. They create different concepts. So we just got to, I think we got to be brilliant at the basics, stick to fundamentals and play fast football. That's, I know that sounds like coach garb, but it's true. So you see what I'm talking about here, right? Like you hear how often he said fast, like got to play fast, throw fastballs, everything's fast. Like I think what he's saying here, honestly, is I think he's saying that the Chiefs have been really slow. And I think he's been saying that they've not only been really slow, but they've been really slow way too often. 
And they've been slow getting calls in. They've been slow getting guys in position. They've been slow off the snap, slow in coverage, just slow, slow, slow. And what the defensive coordinator here is saying, basically, if you think the defense has been bad so far, you ain't seen nothing yet if the whole operation doesn't get quicker against these guys. Because the Bills can beat you even if you do everything right. Like, they can beat quick calls. They can, you know, they can beat guys who are in position, all that. Uh, but the Chiefs haven't even been making it that hard on opponents. So I, I think what Spags is saying here is I think he hopes that the urgency of playing the Bills on this big stage can bring out more of what they've been working on, you know, because if not, it's going to get ugly quick. Um, okay, so now let's uh, let's do one with the enemy, too. And before we start, I got to tell you guys, like just straight up. Even by enemy standards, his press conference this week was full of cliches and full of like Bienemyisms, like the alphabets and all that stuff. Uh, so this round of translation is a little harder than usual, um, but I want to focus on what he said about Josh Gordon. Um, so anyway, th- this is the best clip I think from Bienemy, um from Thursday. So let's focus on what Bienemy said here when he was asked about the process of bringing Gordon along midseason and whether that requires giving him sort of, you know, bite-sized chunks to start with and then building from there. Do you streamline the playbook for a guy like that? Well, I say this. I think you have to because you want to make sure that that kid is comfortable with what he's doing. Now, I will say this. Josh has a very high football IQ. The kid is very, very intelligent. The kid is very, very smart. And you think about it, he's had an opportunity to to suit up on a number of uh, teams in this league. So he's gained a lot of knowledge (laughs) over the years. So, you know, understanding the person but also – the mental makeup, you know, this kid here, he's he's more than ready. It's just about having that opportunity to get out there and show what he can do. But the thing that I just want to make sure of, and like I told him, I don't want him applying pressure to himself to feel like he has to go and be perfect. He just need to go out there and play and have fun. All right, so there's a lot to unpack here. Um, but let's start with the fact that Biennemi is making it pretty clear that Gordon is coming along a lot faster than you might expect. And... It must have been three or four different times Biennemi focused on Gordon's intelligence, his football IQ, the fact that he's already been in a lot of different NFL systems, you know, so he's familiar with picking new stuff up quickly. That's not by accident. Um, You know, I think Biennemi is uh, trying to do a few things. I I think he's trying to pump some confidence into his guy. I think he's trying to give the Bills a lot to think about. Uh, I think he's trying to tell the rest of us that they knew Gordon had a lot of physical ability but that they've been really impressed with how he is as a student, you know what I mean, like in the classroom. And I also want you to think a little bit about what Biennemi said there about pressure. I thought that was really interesting. Like He brought that up two or three separate times the other day and without being asked about pressure. And I think that's significant. There is just, there's no way he did that by accident, you know? And again, this is a little bit of speculation, but I wonder if they believe that Gordon's own, you know, temptations, however you want to say it, have been made worse with football because he feels pressure to live up to that talent, you know, to produce, to be on the biggest stage. And I'm reading between the lines a bit here, but that's what I heard a few different times, you know? Does that make all, does that make sense? Um, I just, there's no way that that's a coincidence that, that the enemy just made that up. I think he's being deliberate about don't feel pressure, just be you take it easy. I, I think that that is how they feel like the the best path for, for Gordon on the field and off. I really do believe that. So anyway, I hope that helps. I hope that makes some sort of sense. I listen to these guys talk all the time and I get to know the people around them and I think I can get you a little bit of extra insight here. So 
I think Spag's a little bit worried about what it's going to look like if his guys don't pick up speed on Sunday night. And I think Biennemi is really excited about how well Gordon is picking stuff up mentally, but also a little worried about what happens if Gordon takes on too much pressure. Um, okay, guys, that's the show. Uh, thanks for keeping the questions clean again. Thanks to everybody who called in, even those who couldn't get to. Thanks to Monty Davis. Uh, Monty, thank you for putting this all together. And as always, the biggest thanks to you for joining and letting us be a small part of your life. Um, all right. Have a great weekend, guys. Be kind. Be kind.